Okay, so look, Lex, I don't want to be here. You know, it's the the Batman thing. I can't do it. I don't. Yeah. I don't care. The movie's coming out this week. Nope. I just. I can't do it. It's nope. think I, about. Yeah, tell me about. I it. hate Batman and. Yeah, me too. Hate him. Like totally. Who cares? Your parents are dead. Get over it. You're like 20 years old. (laughs) Cry about it. Get over it. Who cares? Trauma. The movie you saw sucked. The night sucked. Just get over it. It's true. All right. So listen here, you little women. (laughs) (laughs) Little women. Uh, I will let you talk crap about Batman. But when we start coming for Zorro, I draw the fucking line. Okay, so we had a bit ready. I can't. B- Dallas broke the bit because I insulted Zora. <laughs> You're gonna look me in the eyes and tell me the Mark of Zorro, starring Antonio Banderas, is not the greatest superhero film ever created. You're no, full- because it created frankly, Batman. Frankly, you're full of shit. You are discredited. <laughs> you are kicked from the show. I didn't he, want to talk Batman anyway. He uses his sword. He goes, and the woman's clothes stay for a second, and then they fall. And she goes, <laughs> and then he flees. And then when her dad comes in, he's like, was that Zoro? What happened? She says, father, he was very vigorous. <laughs> and my 10-year-old brain was like, dopamine rush. <laughs> This Alex. is my new sexuality. <laughs> no, this be, is not a Batman podcast anymore. Can it be canonical that the Antonio Banderas Mark of Zorro is what created Batman? I think so. I don't think you put yeah. that much fetish wear on unless you left a little <laughs> spine tingled from Antonio Banderas <laughs> and Catherine Zeta-Jones being like, hmm. Oh. Anthony Hopkins plays a Spaniard, ladies and gentlemen. It's a perfect movie. Anything no notes. Any, you can be whatever you want to be. And that's what Bruce Wayne went and did. Oh my god. Uh, that was way, probably long love, enough. You're gonna love the intro we recorded for the Sunstone One. It's it's, great. it's fantastic. Yeah. And you you can tell where we want you to put the music because that's when we start talking shit. Yeah. Oh, oh good. <laughs> good, good. Thank you for letting me parse that. Um there was too much estrogen this last week. You know, we talked about women. We had a whole just the girls pod. So I had to invite my boy Brian, the person that looks just like me. BFF from New York, baby, to talk about Batman. This week, The Batman by Matt Reeves and probably God, I don't know, drops in theaters. It's going to be good. My wife is furious. We're seeing it twice in one weekend. It's going to be an excellent time. And to prep for that, we are talking about Frank Meller. Meller, nice, nice. Frank Miller and David Matsukeli's Batman Year One. Thank you. Views come rolling in. Hate messages, death threats. Thank you. Those last two from me. Exactly. <laughs> Same. And emailing me. She star six nines the top of an email that still has her name on it. <laughs> oh, 
Oh, I kid. I love I love this this baddie boy. He's a he's a good one. Mm-hmm. All right, Brian. I, Brian, before we let Alexis hate, talk to me about Batman. Talk to me about your relationship with the character, your relationship with Batman Year One, and what you're looking forward to going into the movie this weekend. Me and Brian are seeing it together, folks. We are seeing it together. Friday night. Let's go. Uh, hi. Welcome. Uh, welcome. Thank you for having me. Um, uh, so I first discovered Batman. I remember exactly where I was, actually. I was sitting on the floor in my parents' room. I was maybe three years old or so. And I remember looking up at the TV. I had just lost a tooth. And I was holding the tooth in my hand. And I look up and the intro to Batman the Animated Series starts. And I didn't know what it was at first, but then I saw like Batman and I was aware of Batman in some context through, you know, like walking through grocery stores and like seeing the picture. But it was the first time I think I had like really digested what I was watching. And it was actually on Leather Wings, which is the first episode of Batman, the animated series, which is also a banger episode. And so just from there, I was instantly hooked. It was on Boomerang. I was just watching it repeatedly and I then started reading the comics, which for a little dyslexic boy who did not know he was dyslexic was a lot harder than he thought that it would be, but he persisted. And then it kind of grew into an overall love of comics. And, you know, I've seen all the movies like a million times more than I can ever really count. And this movie coming out in less than a week is everything that I would have wanted from a Batman movie. It's everything that I would have done. It has all of the people, a part of it that I love the most in stupid old Hollywood. And I am so unbelievably excited. It's going to be so good. It's going to be so good. <laughs> oh, say I can meme as much as I want, but sitting here and listening to you talk about how much the character means to you, it's you, you can't not smile. That's awesome. All right, fine. <laughs> also, well, when yeah. you mentioned the tooth, though, I thought the tooth was going to be a lot more important. I thought you'd be like, "Yes, father, I shall become a tooth. <laughs> I shall become the tooth fairy." <laughs> and then he, he rings a little bell. <laughs> I like the little bell. That's my mm-hmm. my favorite part of the Batman story. What um, if he just knocked it off the table by accident because he was just so out of it, and then he couldn't get it, and then he died? <laughs> <laughs> what if? <laughs> that that that's that would, if he was Catman, that would be his origin. He'd just push it off just because, just for the hell of it. <laughs> I okay, new headcanon. Cat Catman knocks shit off the off of high places around the Secret Six headquarters just to piss them off. He's like walking along just meow. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Also, Catwoman has the same thing. Bruce Wayne's like, these are priceless statues. She's like, meow. It's like knocks them over. It's honestly Catman saying meow and doing stuff like that makes a lot more sense than Selena doing it. So Tom King, sorry, but I need you to rewrite some things. I don't know. I watched Batman Returns this morning and Michelle Pfeiffer saying meow as often as she did. I was like, Tom King nailed it. This is the platonic (laughs) ideal. (laughs) Meow indeed. Yes. Thank you. Quite. When she turned that one leather jacket into a whole leather bodysuit, I was like... She did it, folks. No notes. That's the perfect Science. amount of material. You're right. 
The, the like, two little flappies me. were enough to make pants and a mask. <laughs> she's like, watch as I take this one leather jacket and turn it into an entire generational awakening. True. Honestly, <laughs> true. When Not she kiss-killed uh, Shrek, Shrek at the end. Also, I forgot his last name was Shrek. I was like, that's hilarious. When she takes a taser and kisses Shrek on a Tesla coil to fry his ass, I was like, I think this movie's perfect. I don't know what I don't know what we're talking about. Batman Returns is too not dark? a good movie. <laughs> never, never. Never too dark. Perfect. Um, Alexis, what is your origin story with the bat? Oh joy. What is my origin story with the damn Batman? Um I would say probably watching some of the movies over the back of the couch when I shouldn't have been from dad. I remember very vividly the scene where Joker is a nurse and nobody realized it was him until he took his mask off, which is ironic because he looks vile. (laughs) So, I mean, I show up to work like that sometimes, but come on. But (laughs) (laughs) yeah, so I would say just like bits and pieces because I was... Of course, your younger sibling. So I got a lot more than I anticipated because I still broken record over here, folks. But I, if I ever read another Batman ever again, I will quit this podcast. <laughs> it's so good. It's she talks tough on the mic, folks. She talks tough on the mic. Different story in the texts. What? All right. What did I say? <laughs> she said. It was very good about That's Batman just what Year I say One. When I tell you that I haven't read it yet, ah, <laughs> uh, jeez, we figured it out. <sighs> There's a code. And, and what is your origin story with the my, bat? My origin story with Batman is I was always aware that he existed. And I never saw the animated show. I never got into any of them. I think I might have seen the um, the Mr. Freeze movie when I was younger. And um, I remember, actually, very specifically, my earliest Batman memory was my dad watching the 89 film on TV and me asking him, was he bitten by a radioactive bat? <laughs> <laughs> that was the very first thing I ever remember asking about Batman. And my dad said, no, he's just a guy. And I'm like, what? <laughs> then why? Then why bat? Why bat? Spider, Spider Man, because spider. Why bat? And it took me so long to like get actually get into it. It's. I remember finding. Um. Oh, it was Arkham Asylum. Actually, my library had gotten a copy of Arkham Asylum on Xbox, and I'd heard really good things about it. So I'm like, okay, I'll get this. I'll check this out. And I played through that game like religiously. It was so good. It was so phenomenal. I'm like, this is so interesting. All these characters are great. I love playing as Batman. I love switching on detective vision so I can see the bones break as I punch them. This is everything I need. And did it really make you feel like Batman? It really made me feel like I had like the swagger of Batman, you know? Mm, The exaggerated swagger Swagger. of a teenage bat. (laughs) Exactly. And I played through that. I watched the Batman Superman um, Supergirl movie that came out. And I remember the scene where Batman goes up and stands face to face with Darkseid. Just like a boss. Like he's like, yeah, you can kill me if you want, but I'm going to blow up your whole fucking planet. (laughs) And I'm like, okay, boss move, boss move. And then it was really Batman Arkham City that won me over. 
because I stayed home the day it came out, beat it in like two nights, and I've been playing it several times a year ever since. It's just phenomenal to me. It's so much fun. So it, it took me a little bit to get started with Batman. And then I got to a point where I'm like, okay, he's really cool. And then I found out there's more Batman out there than I can ever possibly digest in one lifetime. And I think that turned me off a little bit. But when Batman matters to me, he matters. And I think that's that's still special. I think... So any listener of this podcast, you won't be surprised to know my favorite superhero is Spider-Man, right? And like, I'll read a mediocre Spider-Man comic. But I won't really read a mediocre Batman comic because I know there are so many good ones that like, I'm not going to waste my time. You know what I mean? Batman has the highest peaks of Superman, of Superman, nice, of superhero storytelling for me. Um, just any, at any given moment, you can rattle off five Batman stories without repeating any that anyone else said that are 10 out of 10 comic books. And that's pretty special. I think a lot of that is just attention from DC and Warner Brothers putting all the best talent in one place. But I think there is a versatility to the character that has allowed him to mean so many things to so many different people. Because my origin story with Batman is in preschool. So I would have been three and a half, four years old. And... There, in the toy box, there was an Arctic Batman figure that just all white suit Batman, and I played with it every single day. That was like my go-to toy. It was like, all right, playtime, and every other kid would go and do their thing. I remember one specific day, all the other boys came up and they were like, Dallas, we're going to pull a prank. Want to do it? And my four-year-old brain was like, you will get in trouble. No. And so I just kept playing with Batman, and my Batman game was that I put his arms up over his head so the spikes were facing out, and I would have him climb up the wall, and I would pretend it was an ice wall. And then when he'd get as high as I could reach, he'd miraculously slip, and he'd have to climb up the ice wall again. And so to the outside viewer, they just saw this kid, like, rubbing an action figure up a wall, <laughs> like, sliding it down, like, rubbing it back up a wall for 16 straight minutes, basically. <laughs> they were like, good playtime, kid. But in my mind... It was vivid. It was fascinating. And the other boys were tying the Barbies up by their hair into a pirate ship and getting in trouble. And I was rubbing an action figure up and down a wall. But (laughs) no one ever accused me of being a normal human being. But that was the beginning. And then my cousins had Batman Returns and both the Schumacher Batman movies on DVD. And we wore those bad boys out. Every single sleepover we had, every extended weekend, weeks-long trip, uh, the Potter's house, Alexis. We they had this little loft area that the kids would all go sleep in. When I was, it was never cousins. invited. I you was you... never invited into the loft. They pushed me out of the loft when I got up there. No girls allowed. That's why I hate Batman. That is why. Just, just ten-year-old boys. And I probably watched. Batman Forever, 1,600 times. Like, no exaggeration. That was my definitive take on Batman. Colorful, garish, fun, funny. And it's with that energy that when I started reading comics in 2013, I went and I picked up the Scott Snyder run of Batman because I knew I liked Batman. I'd really liked The Dark Knight two years before. Or, no, like five years before. It was 2008. But... 
I went and picked it up, and Scott Snyder was writing an all-time great Batman run. And I think the combination of all that just solidified Batman's importance to me as a character forever. So yeah, I I am excited to talk about Batman Year One today because this was also one of the first comics I ever read. It was on the top of like best comics ever list that everyone gives. I think that list is flawed. I don't think Batman Year One, The Dark Knight Returns, and Watchmen should be your first superhero comics. No. I think that's a mistake. But I do think they are excellent stories. And I think Batman Year One is an excellent story for us to talk about today. Say, I remember buying Year One when I was getting into comics. And Comicsology have like their sales were like, hey, buy these volumes for like four or five bucks a pop. And I'm like, okay, cool. I'll do that. And this was one of the ones I grabbed. And I really... I've said this before and I'll say it again. Batman is one of those characters where it's like, I'm not going to follow him month to month because I'd rather follow other characters. But if it's like just a quiet night at home and it's like raining outside and I just want to read a book in bed, I will pull out a Batman graphic novel and just read through the whole thing. It's It brings me in. It engages me the whole time. And this was one of those books that started like, that but it's like one of those things where it's like i want to go back and have that feeling again this is this is that book for me i want to have the feeling of reading this for the first time again because it's just such a solid little um gotham noir story it's it's a good um police story which you know don't sue me for saying but you know it's great from james's perspective it's great from bruce's perspective it just has so much that works and going back today i was actually not today yesterday because I didn't wait until the very last minute, but almost the last minute to read this. It's been a week. Um, I was surprised by how short it was. Because it always feels longer than that in my head. But I think it's just because it's so engaging and I was so completely invested in it. That it felt like there was so much more there than there actually is. If that makes sense. I agree. Lex, this was this was your first time with Batman Year One. It was. It so was. You read Zero Year for this show, which was a Batman origin. And now you've read Year One. What do you think of this origin story for Batman and this story uh, in general? I will say I... Here, here's my epiphany I had 20 seconds ago. I don't hate the Batman universe. I just don't like Bruce Wayne. I like everybody else. I like Gordon, great. Dick Grayson, great. Batman, hate him. Robin, great. But I just, I realized I really liked Gordon's story in this one. I really liked him, his family, like him being a cop. Great. I liked that. I really did like this comic. It was kind of funny to see like the look of Batman trying to figure himself out, if that makes sense. I liked that. Like, I liked seeing him not be, like, this untouchable god hero that he's portrayed in a lot of things. Because I think that's what I get tired of. Like, oh, he... It's just the same stuff with him. He always wins. He always... It's always... I don't want to say predictable because it's not predictable. But I liked the base level of, like, him trying to be like, oh, okay, I'm really bad at this. I got shot. Shit. (laughs) And like speeding his car into the side of his house. Like that's relatable. But I don't know. I I did. I did like this one. I did like the multiple layers of it. So. 
I like yeah. that. This this book has been accused of being Jim Gordon year one more than Batman year one. But you feel like that was a strength of it, Alexis? Yeah, I feel like he, I mean, he's such a big character in the Batman universe. Like they, you see them together all the time, you know? So I feel like it's important to talk about him as well you know like I didn't feel like it was overbearing at all with him but then again I'm not invested (laughs) I think that's fair Brian Brian what did you think what what's your experience with year one before and revisiting it now okay so um this might bother Dallas who said you should not read this book as one of your first books but I read this as one of my first books and I've read disagree with me man it was one of my first I two, do, so. I, you know, it's not necessarily that I disagree with you, but I had a good foundation enough through other source material. I, like you, also wore my VHS copy of Batman Forever out long before I was able to replace it on DVD. But um, I've read it so many times over the last 20 years, and it had been a few years because my original copy had gotten destroyed through a cousin or something like that. And I picked it back up on digital uh, a couple days ago in preparation for this. Right. And it was the collected edition. It was, I think it was the DC essentials version, which is sort of like a recolored version of the story. And I know it like the back of my hand, but reading it with this new sort of, you know, touch of paint on the story made me feel like I was reading it for the first time. It really felt so vibrant and fun and which is weird to say because not necessarily a fun story, but the fun moments are really fun and the dark moments are really kind of investing. It's a story where it really makes you feel just really invested within the characters and the universe and everything that's going on. It's such an interesting uh, perspective. I mean, like Lexi was saying, this is not a Batman who's got it all figured out. I mean, the first time he, you know, goes out and becomes Batman, maybe he almost kills people by accident and almost gets killed himself. It's just an interesting take. It's interesting to see Jim Gordon fallible like this. It's interesting to see his personal life that, you know, it's probably not something that was well storied before this. And it's kind of interesting to see two men, kind of come into Gotham in the beginning with the big juxtaposition on where they wanted to come in from and how it shaped them into the people that we would then come to know further on. I don't think of this as like an in-canon way of looking at the characters necessarily. I just think it's an interesting way to get them to that point. Yeah, I think that's that's a great way to look at it. And I love that juxtaposition that you brought up. The Just seeing how these two people approach Gotham from two different perspectives, but both have the same goal. And I mm. like that Jim came in through the train and he was mentioning like, oh, I don't like coming through the train. And Bruce came in through the sky and he's like, oh, I should have come in through the train. I just thought that seeing them take tackle the same problem from two different perspectives is one of the big strengths of the story. I think it's why, even though there's a lot less Batman in Batman year one than I remembered, it still works because Jim is coming at it from a much more human perspective than Bruce is. His is one that the audience can easier, can more easily like get behind and understand. 
So I like seeing it from that perspective because it's the emergence of Batman as a symbol to the people of Gotham and seeing it, seeing that from Jim's perspective makes more sense to me than following it through Bruce's perspective. Definitely. I mean, like when they're, you know, the firebombing in the uh, tenant building Mm -hmm. was, you know, he's made, they've made a hero out of him like that. I think it's all emblematic in that one line. It's kind of interesting because I had forgotten how much Jim Gordon you know the sort of transition from like fully being against batman to slowly kind of getting used to the idea i and Mm -hmm. i thought it was really well paced there was a lot of great little moments between the two of them that i didn't remember because it had been a while and i was really happy to see it you could tell why they're friends like why they get along Whoa, whoa, was that theme music twice in one episode? We don't just like how it sounds. Dallas put his computer inside the oven to record this. No one told me you're not supposed to raise your internal computer temperature to 14,000. Much like All-Star Superman, my computer plummeted into the sun, got cancer, died, and came back more powerful than ever. So we're just, we lost some audio, came out a little bit, 8-bit Mario... We're going to hop back in now. Everyone thinks I'm charming and funny. No one is frustrated at me for, uh, and their faces are saying the same thing. I know this is not a visual medium, so you can't see how much I talk with my hands. And you also can't see just how everybody is sitting there like, continue to vamp, Dallas. Don't give it back to us. This is your time to shine. Spotlight's on you. And I say, Everyone, you don't understand. The spotlight being on me is what fried my computer. But I guess I will. (laughs) I will give it back specifically to Alexis to describe why she thinks Frank Miller had such a strong 1986 versus why he's had such a difficult 2010s. Um, Take it away, Lex. Well, son of a bitch. I don't even know who that is. So anyway, I want a friend. <laughs> I just think it's suspicious. You cut us off right at the moment where we definitively proved that Batman has had sex. I just think that's oh. ironic. I I don't know. Us. I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't think that says a lot of good things, but I think it does say you're afraid. Batman has never had sex, so yeah, because you deleted you... all the evidence. Yeah, Dallas works for the man. <laughs> Yeah, the stuff about his computer frying, bullshit. Superheroes don't do that. Super convenient. Swell, 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 swell. When, before I turned into 8-bit version of Dallas Taylor, um, we were talking a little bit about David Mazzucchelli's art in this book and how fucking singular and killer it is. And rereading this story... I don't think I've seen better sequential art ever, question mark. Can we talk a little bit about David Mazzucchelli? Alexis is skeptical, but that's because she's foolish. She doesn't understand. (laughs) All right, all right. Fine.
What do we think about David Mazzucchelli as the artist on Batman Year One? I, I I think it says a lot to him, like and his credit to make something that is so clean that invokes such a dirty book. It is like a filthy book, but it looks so clean. I know that kind of goes in, you know, uh, juxtaposition with itself, but it's so. Batman is a dirty, dirty girl, even if he looks so clean. You know, you look at him, you just think pristine, but he is naughty. I I think it makes sense. It's it's gritty, but it's like HD grit. It's like this is 4K grit, and I'm here for it in every isn't, way. Wait, isn't that Zack Snyder's new movie coming out with Michael grit? Bay? 4K grit. <laughs> Tell us. Am I, should have just am I wrong? You should have left him episode. as freaking Mario, man. <laughs> oh my gosh. All right, all right. I'll check out. I'll check out. You guys can have a smart conversation. <laughs> Oh, I was I was surprised to see like because I was reading the back half of the DC Essentials version, and I was surprised to and it makes total sense in hindsight. But Batman, like Bruce Wayne, is modeled after Gregory uh, Peck, the actor, and I had never known that before. And it's just kind of interesting to see a lot of the visual uh, references that he took for this book, and I think it grounds it. A little bit more like it, it feels familiar and i think that's a big strength about this book for something that was so genre defining and kind of you know seminal at the time i agree and we're going to give a long pause for emphasis on that yeah. um you said genre defining for batman year one mm-hmm. is this because leading up to this, I decided to read a little bit of the Denny O'Neill reinvention of Batman. And that was a lot more globetrotting, definitely influenced by the 1966 show. Frank Miller brings crime and noir to Gotham for this story. And that has been the status quo since. How do we feel about the status quo of Batman as a noir property again? Because I think that's kind of where his roots lie. But he had mm-hmm. certainly not been that for quite some time before Frank Miller's time with Batman. I think there's definitely been some good positives, but also some really noticeable negatives from that. I think there was actually an interview with um, Denny O'Neill that I read for this, where he was talking about the state of Batman before this book came out. And it was at a point he said, where they were talking behind the scenes where they're like, the Batman books are in trouble. We need something to change because we need to save one of the Batman books. Cause I don't, I don't remember if it was um, tech or if it was this one, but one of them was struggling. And they're like, we need a bump. I heard Frank Miller is working on a little something, something. What if we put him on this, get him to tell this story? Can that give us the the, the push we need? If we get him set up, like, if you have this already in six months, we can push it to print and we'll see what happens. And it happened. And this has been the very common version of Batman in most forms of media ever since. And I think that's good because it worked. It reinvigorated the character when it needed to reinvigorate the character. But I think it also handicapped them to the point where they're like, we can't do anything different because we know this works. So we need to push what works because anything else is going to potentially drown our cash cow. And Warner Brothers DC, they are very protective over their cash cow. 
and that cash cow specifically is bat cow introduced <laughs> in the pages of patrick leeson and peter j tomasi's batman at robin a great run um starring Sorry. bat cow mm-hmm. and no one drop the specific issue <laughs> <laughs> issue um I, I think it was 420, issue 420, um, 69, where Bat-Cow fights Bat-Mite in a never-ending battle for planet Zurinar. Um, this is now us talking oh. about Grant Morrison's run of Batman Incorporated. Welcome Bat-Cow's to my... Bat-Cow's first appearance was actually Batman Incorporated number one in the New I'm 52. Leaving. I'm leaving. If I'm sorry. I had to look up Grant. I'm leaving. <laughs> Alexis is in full mutiny. We gave her too much power, giving her a book she liked last week. She feels like she can just come in willy-nilly, saying she doesn't like Batman and Grant Morrison. We really need to, to teach her that she's earning friendship with this podcast. get that tattooed. <laughs> I hate Grant Morrison. Down my arm. I think Mark Millar actually has the exact same tattoo going down his arm. Right next to, I swear, Civil War is a good comic on the other arm. (laughs) Anyways, back to Batman. Um, (laughs) Darn. When I think about the art in this, I do think about how gritty it is. I think that, um, what's his, is it, it's something Lewis, right? Who did the colors? I'm not Um, sure because I actually read the recolored version for the show and it was stunning. Okay. Well, who did the- Richmond Lewis. Sorry. Okay. Was he the original colorist or was he the recolor colorist? I have the, I have the deluxe edition. So it says Richmond Lewis is so. Oh, uh, okay. I don't know. My my copy is just the digital one. It also says Richmond Lewis. So I'm just gonna assume it's the recolored one. I still I if this is the recolored version, I still think it slaps. I still think it works really well, and the col- the coloring's great. The use of shadows is great. I always like it when a Batman book uses shadows really well because if he uses it, then so should you, and. There's moments in here where Batman feels more grounded in the way that he's more human than I've seen him before. I think about the scene where he jumps down onto the fire escape for the first time. And you can tell very clearly that his costume is just like cloth and spandex. Mm-hmm. And there's the moment he lands. And the first thing that happens is one of the kids he came to intimidate falls off. And you see that moment of pure like shock and like, oh, no, like this is going as poorly wrong as it possibly can. And that's a moment of humanity that you don't see a lot after this with Bruce in costume. Because usually when you see Bruce in costume, it's become the the meme where he's just like so stoic. He never smiles. He doesn't frown. He doesn't emote at all. And I think showing just that moment of initial uncertainty and like not weakness, but just like pure humanity where he's terrified that he just killed someone. I think that's very, very important. And it's small moments like that that I think make the art really work. I think what's funny is this this book and The Dark Knight Returns are lumped in as the the parents of dark and gritty Batman, right? But Batman, like you said, is such a fallible character here that is so focused on saving and protecting individuals. Like the when Batman dives out in front of the moving car to save the old lady, that was that's an all-time Batman moment for me. When Batman takes the punishment from these people beating on him so he can hold onto the kid's ankle to make sure he's safe in the fire escape. That is peak Batman to me. Um, I think my personal, my personal favorite fallible Batman moment in this 
was when the thermite goes off, blows up the belt, and so it's just actually Batman and a few spare gadgets against the SWAT team. I thought that was such a smart way to weaken Batman for that entire issue and make the stakes feel sky high. Like, I knew Batman was getting out, and I still was like, how is he going to get out of this? Holy Toledo, Batman, how is he going to get out of this? And you just get to see the sort of, like, feral eyes of Batman as he has to figure out how to get out of the situation. And I think another aspect... Ooh, sorry. Oh, no, you. You. I'm vamping. I, I think another aspect that I like about this this version of Bruce Wayne is that he you know, we, we've said that he like, he kind of cares for the little guy in this. Like he's, he, I forgot the Robin hood aspects of it in this story. There was like, I mean, they even call him like a Robin hood. I mean, he puts the Romans car in the river. He, you know, targets the elites in Gotham, but he also pays for the three piece suit after that, uh, after that building fire, like that whole entire altercation. And Gordon's like even paid for the suit. Like, it's just a nice little, like this, book is built upon small moments that build so much to like kind of bringing it full circle and feel like such a definitive story it's not any one thing working off of that gordon was so impressed that batman took the time to save the cat when he was fighting the swat team like bruce wayne this bruce wayne is the the orphaned child of murdered parents you know like he is going to do everything in his power to make sure no one else has to feel hurt and I feel like that's what the core of Batman actually is, more so than the guy that has strategies, the guy that has the contingency plans, the guy that is gonna gonna solo your fave. You know what I mean? That's not the core of Batman. That's not the Batman of this story. This is the Batman that needs to save and protect everybody because he's hurt. Love, love, love. I love when Batman is good. I, I and I think what's interesting, like he comes in, and I wanted to talk about this specifically. I think this might kind of throwing it back to talking about Denny O'Neill and his run on Batman, and you kind of where the character was. I think this is the first sort of instance, at least in my memory, of a more militaristic Batman. And here's the thing: is that I'm not particularly a fan of that like the way that he speaks is very like 20 walks to base camp or enemy camp at enemy territory whatever it is and like he's like speaking in a very interesting way and i don't love that for the character especially as he continues on but maybe as a younger sort of um inexperienced batman i think it makes sense especially within the context of the story i think it kind of works and i found myself very surprised in feeling that way because you know before i'd reread it i i remember that aspect of the story and I remember not loving it, but in this, I actually found that it was quite fascinating to see his mind. And there's almost a clear arc in the way that he sees things in. He only sees the, like the criminal side of Gotham when he first gets there. And when he first is trying to like start uh, investigating crime and everything that's going on. But as he becomes Batman, there are again, these small moments where he's seeing them, like seeing people for actually being people. And that's when he starts caring a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Like you start to hear less of that more militaristic talk. It's almost like there's empathy being born within him, which I find really, really fascinating. Mm -hmm. Exactly. I think that goes back to a couple of the scenes we've talked about already. Like the scene in the beginning, Boost describes 
going on the train as he, he, he said he wanted to go on the train because he's like, I should see the enemy. Mm-hmm. And you look back at the train, it's just like, it's just people on there. You know, it's just people of Gotham. So when he comes back to Gotham, obviously harboring so many negative feelings about the city and the people there, it he definitely came back a little more like antagonistic than I think he wanted to. And the way he was at the end, I think he's definitely less there. But I, you mentioned seeing that arc and I thought about the scene where he catches the kid because he jumps down to scare them and it's only after he reali- he sees the kid falling that he realizes, oh, this is like a 15-year-old kid. I almost just killed a 15-year-old kid. And I think that's a big turning point for him there where he's like, okay, mm-hmm. I need to rethink what I'm doing because not everyone here needs to be treated the same exact way. Not everyone here is the enemy. Well, it's very Darwin Cook's new frontier for me. Mm-hmm that moment where Batman scares the kid so bad in New Frontier. So he reinvents himself. Mm -hmm. Like there's, there's a reason that Batman has adopted every 10 year old boy with a tragic backstory in the larger Gotham city area. Um, He has a soft spot for kids. And I, I do like that as a focal point of Batman year one. Um, Lexi, what do you think the strength of a a new Batman is like every movie, everything likes to come back to Batman's origin story. Why do you think that's such fertile ground? Well, Hmm. I was going to say something sarcastic, but maybe I should not say something sarcastic. Um, I, (laughs) um, I, well, I feel like there's just so, it's such a classic story. Everybody knows it. Everybody's familiar with it. And it's such a fun playground for these movies because like because of that like everybody knows it so we all it gets kind of um I don't know for you guys but I find myself often going back to like my comfort media like I'll reread books that I like I'll reread like I'll re-listen to podcasts that I like type stuff like that so I feel like when we're recreating stuff that we already all know in a slightly different way people take it a lot easier so it's easier to start and build off of those, like for with Batman. Like for example, this new movie, I'm gonna go see it. I hate Batman, but it's freaking Edward Cullen. So you could, I, I would go. I would go. I will pay. I'm literally gonna pay to go see that. So yeah, it's great. But power, power too, yeah. The yeah. horny, the horny is getting her inside the door. The heart will keep her there. That's true. <laughs> the this is our pitch for Sunstone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. Literally, we literally had this conversation an hour ago. But I don't know. Horn dogs. What, what do you other two think about Batman origin stories? Because that's what this movie's going to be that we're all excited yeah. about. And would you like to go first? Yeah. Um. But it's not an origin story, is it? It's like a year two story. This is the this is the sequel to the one we just read. <laughs> because the Batman in the movie is going to be Batman for a little bit already. But that depends on your definition of origin story. Do Are we talking origin as in Batman putting on the costume for the first time? Or is it going to be him realizing who he needs to be for his city? Because those can be two completely separate things. And I think that's what this movie is going to touch on. And I think that's what the story touched on too is the evolution of you can't just put on the costume and call yourself Batman. There's something else you need here. There's a deeper understanding you need to have with the city. And I think stories like um, 
Zero Year do that really well. I think this did it really well. It's what makes Batman interesting. It's a character figuring out how to utilize his rage to make life better for others. It becomes less of a mission of his own personal vengeance and more of a mission of making sure that no one else has to go through this again. Because I feel like that's always the very consistent theme with Batman is it always starts about him, but then it turns into being about everyone else the further he goes along his arc. I do like that. Um, I don't know. I'm I'm so torn because I love a good early Batman, early like urban gorilla fighting the mob bosses take on Batman. But having just read the Denny O'Neill stuff, I love globetrotting Batman. I really like blue costume, big yellow shield, has a sword fighting Ra's al Ghul in the desert, Batman. I like... Brian Michael Bendis' Batman Universe, probably my favorite recent Batman. Uh, Grant Morrison's Batman Incorporated. Huge fan of that, which... uh, Shocking. Got me blasted on that one. But I love that story. And and so it's just interesting. I feel like I love two very different versions of this character in a way that I I don't think I have that for anyone else. Like I have a pretty strict interpretation of who Spider-Man is. And I don't really like it when it's not what I think Spider-Man should be. But Batman's allowed to be whatever he wants to be for me. That's a cool versatility. And it's probably one of the reasons why he keeps getting one of the reasons why he keeps getting so many stories is because you can make him work in a lot of different places. Because there's different flavors of Batman that everyone's going to like. Like oftentimes the, the grittier, more down-to-earth gorilla Batman isn't for me. But crazy like out there fighting aliens and stuff is it just depends on my mood it's like what flavor of ice cream am i going to get today you know and that's that's something cool because you're right not a lot of characters have that yeah i read a gorilla superman story i'm like no thank you i'm okay without this so you didn't like the new 52 Anne? (laughs) 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 oh yeah it's it's a thing I mean, I think what's interesting about year one as well, though, is we forget that it was a reboot of the Batman character. Like for Alexis and for the listeners at home that don't know this, this immediately follows Crisis on Infinite Earths, which was the big comic book event that blew up the DC universe and said, now we're going to start over. And so they hired a bunch of talent to come and retell origin stories for the modern era in the 1980s for these characters. And this is the Batman version of that. So this was like ground zero. This is what we want people to start and move forward with Batman. And I think this is one of the only reboots of continuity that has stayed pretty much permanent. Like zero year happened, but like year one is still the story. It's, it's actually crazy. You're putting that into context for the first time. Cause I hadn't even considered that. I keep forgetting this comic is older than it actually is because it feels so much like a modern story. This feels like something that could have come out yesterday and I would have completely accepted that. This feels like, you know, a black label book. And to if you go back and read Crisis on Infinite Earths, there's a storytelling style there that has very much been retired from comics as of late. It's still very much a, a place where all the characters are thinking in thought bubbles, every action they're going to take inside their head. They have to explain every little motion. <clears throat> this is much more 
straightforward narration, if that makes sense. This is much more prosy in the way it handles how characters are talking, not just about themselves, but about the city, about the setting, about other characters in the story. This is very much where it hit that very dramatic, apparently, switch from the way comics used to be to the way comics are told now. And that's actually crazy to think about because I just had that realization. <laughs> well, it's fully nuts that mm-hmm. you go from... For me, the big change from old to new comics is Denny O'Neill. I feel mm-hmm. like I can read a Denny O'Neill comic right now that will feel as prescient and modern as anything I pick up off the stands um, versus sort of the Stan Lee era or Carmine Infantino era of comics that I also like, but you have to sign up for. You have to be like, I'm going to read a Silver Age book today. I'll see you in three hours. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, very much so. And I just looked, I pulled it up on DC Universe. I looked up what Batman um, 03 looks like because it's the one that comes right before this starts. Mm -hmm. And it's very much that it's, it feels like remnants of the seventies Denny O'Neill stuff. It's colorful. There's the crazy bat cave going on with all the fun gadgets, the giant penny there, down there, all the different bat suits. It's just like, it feels like this is a remnant from a bygone era. And the next one feels like this is the shift to something new. And it Which, happens like that. I don't think we give, we give this book a lot of credit for changing Batman, but mm-hmm. this helped birth modern comics. Like Ryan said at the top of the episode, 1986 was the year that modern comics were born between this Watchmen, The Dark Knight Returns, all happening in such a short order of each other. Mm-hmm. And then we never moved on since. We haven't reinvented since. I think, I mean, they tried. They tried. They tried the all-star line. Frank Miller also killed modern comics with all-star <laughs> Batman and Robin. And that's not an exaggeration. All-stars, he giveth and he taketh. He giveth and taketh away. He is the bookends of comic books. Um, because they started the all-star run to rival the Ultimate Universe and to try and revitalize DC again. And all-star Superman was a smash hit. Everyone loved it. And they're like, perfect. This imprint is going to rule. And then Jim Lee and Frank Miller came in with all-star Batman and Robin and killed it. And they never, they did, they shot it and then they shot it again. They kicked the dead body and they shot it again. And they said, you will not be moving on. That comic they took was the so- Brandon approach from year one to getting rid of the, that whole line. Just like <laughs> totally just murdered the shit out of it. Just annihilate it. And never finished it. Never finished it. But Batman does make Robin eat rats. So. And beat up Green Lantern. Is there another writer out there who has like the range that Frank Miller does in terms of quality where he has like some of the the greatest of all time under his belt, but also some of the worst of all time under his belt. Because like I'll read The Dark Knight Returns any day of the week. But if you try to make me read the sequel, I will shoot you. I will actually shoot you. I would rather be dead because it is absolutely awful. Lexi, never, not even once. Not even for a second. Don't even entertain the notion. Don't even look up what the title is. You don't need to know. Deal. I'll send you a, I'll send you a, pe- a piece of the artwork later. You're just going to laugh for like five solid minutes. It's not great. 
What's wild is you have to show her the good art, though, too. Because like you said, Miller is top of the top or worst of the worst, and not a lot of in-between. I, I will show range. <laughs> Brian, what, you were going to say something? Uh, no, that's going to be the book that turns Lexi around, clearly. <laughs> I mean, Maybe, it, what, 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 a, what a seminal book. It, it's one that is talked about not very often, but when it is, you have everyone's attention. It, it's a. Uh, it brings a lot to the table. Wait. I wouldn't say everything is good. Wait, I'd, they, I'd they did what in the party. sky? They did what in the sky? <laughs> yeah, you have everyone's attention. You know that meme of everyone at the party looking, holding their cups, and looking at you like, "What the fuck?" That's what happens when you mention the Dark Knight Strikes again in any civilized conversation. Yeah, uh, it's one of these people. Hmm. Mm, mm. We were talking good things. So what else do we have to say about Batman Year One before we get into questions? And then we'll get a little bit talking about what we're looking forward to in the Batman movie. I will say I have to honorable mention that I did not know that Gordon had a son. And that Batman did, in fact, save him off of a bridge. Okay, so Lexi, listen, you're going to absolutely hate me. Oh, no. We should definitely read Black Man. Black Man? Batman. (laughs) The Black Mirror. Batman the Black Man. No. No. I'll read it if Anne tells me to read it. I'm, but I'll I'm hold the middle finger wife. up to Dallas. Dallas I, don't invite, I don't want to invite myself back on again. <laughs> if you were to read that. Well, I mean. I'm I so bring the experts back. I'm so embarrassed. I Of all the words to confuse together. Batman the Black Mirror. Because that's all about um, their son. And James. about how absolutely yeah james it's all about how absolutely messed up he is oh he went through some shit after that bridge (laughs) he was never the same you'll like it alexis it becomes very true crime podcast there we go there we go of Mm. all the batman stories i think black mirror is up there for what alexis would like and it's not bruce wayne behind the cowl it's dick grayson who is charming i love him (laughs) also scott snyder's first time writing batman and he Killed it. Killed it. <laughs> there we go. Killed it. Killed it. So yeah, I think I think we found the perfect fit. Um, you know, there, there, there's something to be said. Um, I was talking to Troy, Troy Boy Seventeen, for those who don't know. Um, he had mentioned that he almost forgot that it was a Frank Miller book, just because I think that Troy has a very specific idea i don't want to speak for him but about frank miller and i i my rebuttal was that you know it's a frank miller book because there's no complete sentences in this book the way that they talk like chicken will keep like that's a line that only frank miller could write (laughs) and it's interesting because it's it works it does work within this book it feels natural but if you like put that in like a superman book like the way that he writes i mean it's clearly it wouldn't work but there's something about that noir feel it does feel like you're watching a movie on like a saturday night like it's late it's raining outside like this is the like this is the movie that you'd want to watch but there's just batman in it i think honestly i think that's why Christopher Nolan's approach to Batman is so popular for so many people. Because frankly, Frank Miller wrote Batman stories just as noir crime stories that he wanted to write. And the dark Knight is to many people, the best Batman movie to date. And it's just a crime mob movie that they put Batman in. 
you know? Like, I think Batman tends to be the superhero that people with... People that are unwilling to suspend belief for superheroes are still okay with Batman because he gets slotted into normal cool stories so often. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Like you don't you don't have to buy much to like Batman. He's pretty much just already normal, except he wears a bat suit. Mm-hmm. But that's normal, don't you? Uh, only on Thursdays. Okay. Only Thursdays at the Kitty Cat Club. Got it. Um, the only thing I think is left to talk about before questions is I had to ask everyone, what did you think about Catwoman's role in the story? Mm. I thought her suit I was cool. I don't like, I don't like the, I guess the prostitute Catwoman mm-hmm. thing. I'm not a huge fan of it. Like it, it, I don't know. The way that Frank Miller writes it is not necessarily my favorite. Mm-hmm. It's just, eh, it doesn't really work for me. There's there's a joke that goes around where it's like, if you find out Frank Miller's writing a woman, and you're like, oh, so is she a sex worker in this one? And they're just like, yeah. yes. Because that's like, Frank Miller has one go-to with women characters, and it feels like that's it sometimes. Yeah. And it's like, there's nothing wrong with them being a sex worker if like, that's the story you want to tell. Yeah. But it just comes off so weird in the story, especially the moment where Catwoman decides, hey, I'm going to leave this and go do my own thing is after she sees Bruce doing things. So I didn't really like that. (laughs) I don't like the fact that she's like, I'm going to be independent because this guy was independent. So now I feel empowered to be independent. That didn't really sit well with me reading through this time. I felt like I remembered her being a bigger part of this than she was. Same. Having not read it in a long time, I was like, oh yeah, Catwoman's a pretty big deal. But I think I just retroactively applied her being a big deal in The Long Halloween back onto year one which fuck jeff loeb for taking the long halloween away i know i really like that comic book yeah i i really like tim sales work in the dc universe Mm. and fuck the yeah i don't know like her her involvement just felt it, it yeah it it didn't feel like she had her own thing going on and you know maybe that wasn't the point but i mm-hmm. it felt like there was a space cuz she does have a good amount to do theoretically and it felt like it could have been a little bit more forward moving with like something that was more inherent to her character it it did feel like she was just serving sort of she was just moving with Bruce in a way and i i guess that's symbolism for something but you know, I I don't know if it necessarily landed, uh, particularly mm-hmm. for me. Well, I just, I think, again, I watched Batman Returns this morning, and Selena Kyle mm-hmm. falls into that same role there. And I think many would argue she falls into that same role in a book like Batman Catwoman that's going on right now, where her story, Catwoman hasn't been fridged, but she has she is still there to just further the story of the man or to react to the story of the man. She's either there to be inspired by Batman or to drive Batman to be better. And it's hard with a character that feels as dynamic as Selina, as iconic as Selina, to see that approach taken. Because I think something like a lesser known character, it may not be as noticeable. It's no less wrong, but it may be less noticeable that she's being sidelined for the male's role. But 
with Selena, who is as dynamic as Bruce is, it always stings a little bit to be like, girl, what are you doing? Why are you just following this stanky ass leather man around? Because he looks like Robert Pattinson, I hear. Bro. I would follow follow around a man that looked like that. (laughs) Zoe Kravitz and Robert Pattinson as Batman and Catwoman. It's about to be the hottest movie of the year. Are you kidding me? Yep. Undoubtedly. I'm going to act up in that theater. (laughs) I'm going to look over and be like, Ryan! (laughs) You're going to have to fan me off, Alice. (laughs) That's actually Doug's job. Um, (laughs) That does transition us well into the Glenn question of the week. We do need theme music for Glenn. We need Glenn music. Like the 1966 Batman. It's one of the best parts of the show is the Glenn question. Special. All right. Glenn question of the week. I think Zoe Kravitz is a dead ringer visually for Selena in the Batman. And particularly in this book. What other comic book movie actors do you feel like the character st- stepped right off the page? That's a good one. I think Josh Brolin is an excellent cable. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I'd agree. I'd say the same for Ryan Reynolds as Deadpool. Yeah, or mm. Robert Downey Jr. Uh, J.K. Simmons as J. Jonah Jameson in the oh. Raimi movies. Oh, oh yeah, like I think oh, yeah. I think that's like top of the top of the pile. That easily that's... easily top of the pile. Um, who played um Gordon in the Nolan movies? Why Gary Oldman? Yep, Gary Oldman. I thought he was fantastic. Mm. I love Gary Oldman. Uh, who else it's has a... been great? Christopher Reeves as Superman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, is he is Superman in my head? forever say lately i think it's gotten a, a bit harder to answer because i think sometimes they'll get actors on the screen and then the characters on the page will start to resemble them instead, instead yeah of yeah the other way around we're about to have a whole lot of john cena in comic books for the next couple <laughs> years true i mean i don't mind i like that show <laughs> if we could get some more hardcore in comics that would be great just yeah, saying if i could just throw that out there See what happens. Never has never has Anne wanted to be James Gunn more. <laughs> I need to, all right, I'm gonna go cry. <laughs> I agree with the comment about Zoe Kravitz. I think she is an excellent catwoman choice. Mm-hmm. And oh, yeah. the limited promotional material I've watched, because I've I've gone on a bit of an embargo trying not to watch anything just so I can be surprised through the movie. Mm-hmm. But what little I have, she Looks a whole lot like Catwoman from year one, which could be fun. Um, Question number two from Glenn. In this story, Batman fights gangsters. Apart from episodes of Batman the Animated Series, can you think of times or stories where Batman fought normal criminals? I mean, all the Tim Sale stuff. He tends to fight mobsters. Mm -hmm. I feel like the Nolan movies, he fought a lot of organized crime. Yep. Mm-hmm. Very much. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like I mostly, I think of the long Halloween, which I know is uh, oh oh uh, Batman War and Crime. Maybe. Maybe. I feel like there's some. I don't know if I'd classify that as organized crime, but I think as far as just like normal, not superhero criminals, Batman, the Black Mirror that we referenced earlier. Mm-hmm. 
Like that's nothing super about that book. That's quite good. Yeah. The Colt, Batman the Colt. Mm-hmm. Um that's an interesting read. I've recommended that to Dallas. Do we see Deal. Deal. Yeah, I don't have anything. I think we got all the big ones. But I would all like right. to see more of them. I think they're they're sol- those are the perfect ones for me to to curl up with, I think. I like those. I do like those a lot. I like Batman versus Organized Crime. If he could fight yeah, that's a fun arc. If he could fight the shrew from Zootopia mob boss, I think that's when I would <laughs> truly, truly reach my highest Mr. highest. Mr. Big? Mr. Big. On this, the day of my daughter's wedding. It's, a per- it's perfect. It's perfect. Yeah, um, I'd, I'd need to see Batman punch a polar bear. Let's go. <laughs> are you keep- That sounds so cool. I bet he has polar bear, repel- polar bear repellent spray. Probably. Bear spray. Exactly. Need to now I'm thinking about the Hanna Barbera DC crossovers. <laughs> that would be a that would be fun. I honestly, no joke. I think the Looney Tunes Batman crossover written by Tom King is one of Tom King's best Batmans. With the anthropomorphized versions of them that were drawn with Lee Weeks. I liked that a lot. I need to check it out. I will I I'll, I'll read it. That was a fun good. experiment. Bananas, but fun. Yes. All right. And question number three from Glenn. What are some of your other favorite DC year ones? I think Anne would like Justice League of America year one because Black Canary is in it. I'm going to extend this as well. What year ones haven't happened yet that we want to see happen? Oh, Ooh, good. Because mm-hmm. while you're thinking Robin year one and Batgirl year one are also both top-notch comics Mm -hmm. i was gonna say yeah both those are pretty great i almost read batgirl year one again last night it's so good just because it's so good the marcos martin art is insane some of my favorite (laughs) pour one out for superman year one also by frank miller (laughs) it was bad it was bad It it was something um here's the thing i I like Flash Year One. It's like solid. It's not like Batman Year One groundbreaking though. It's it's just a fun story. But I will tell you, I'm gonna let you know next week because I only had time to read two of the issues yesterday. I started reading Huntress Year One, and for some reason that first issue just clicked so hard with me. There's so much that I related to very personally in my life, especially with like stuff that um, Dallas, you and I have been talking about, like me trying to rediscover my faith that Helena mm-hmm. is going through in this comic as well, where I'm like, this is hitting way too close to home for what I thought was just going to be a random shit read that I like, I've never heard about Huntress year one in my life, but the first issue I've been thinking about for the last 12 hours, it's just, mm. I'm going to read through it and let you know if the rest of the thing holds up because if, if it does, I'm going to be like, why is no one talking about this, this comic? This is fantastic. That's exciting. Mm-hmm. Alexis, who, what DC character would you like to see get the year one treatment? Their origin well, I don't story. Know who has one? Just throw one out there. Who do you think would be fun? Hmm. Alexis. Most of them are bad, frankly. <laughs> most. Of, so even if you say one that exists, okay. Okay. It probably doesn't exist well. Um, oh, such a good question. Zatanna. She does not. I've always been intrigued by her. So has Bruce Wayne. Ever since. Yeah. Okay. 
Okay, shut up. Ever since we played that stupid Injustice game. Injustice is so fun. I love that game. Remember remember how good I used to be at that game? I don't remember that part. I I remember because I beat you. I legitimately used to be really good at Injustice. I used to be top 1% in the <gasps> leaderboards. I'm so proud of you. That was, that was the highlight of my high school career, honestly. The highlight was when I, when I figured out Oh, Raven. Raven also was my favorite character to use because I remembered I taught, I Googled how to do her like magic spells, especially just so I could beat Dallas. And then I would do them over and over and over and over again so that he could not win. She was a very spammy character. I would often play Sinestro and I had a lot of fun playing Sinestro. (laughs) I love you. Like, she was a very spammy character. Anyway, I played Sinestro. <laughs> yeah. Um, we just hated each other. We hated each other growing up, if anyone did, was curious. Did one of your siblings play Deathstroke? Because if they did, holy <gasps> AJ. crap. AJ. AJ. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Literally. Mean, we never Literally, went online. Yes. We were just playing each other. The True, because he never would teach us how to play. Oh, my God. If your sister played Superman, I'm never coming to your house to play video games. <laughs> <laughs> never. Not even once. Don't. Just don't. Not even once. Super Smash Bros. is any any indication of how we play games. Don't come over. <laughs> All right. So Zatanna, year one. That would be a lot of fun. Um, we just have one more question from Matt Draper, wrote in. And he says, Batman year one is to Batman zero year as Escape from New York is Escape from L.A. by John Carpenter. Please discuss. Has anyone oh, seen John Carp- Has anyone seen John Carpenter's Escape from New York and Escape from LA? I have not. I've yet to I've yet to see Escape from LA. I have seen Escape from New York. What do you think about the Escape from New York comparison to Batman Year One? Listen, but like, here's the thing: is that I like I feel like the general consensus is that LA is like worse like way worse am i wrong in that thing no i'm pretty sure that's, that's a consensus yeah that's the that's the that's the consensus right see but i like zero year i'm a big i like scott snyder i like <laughs> scott S- run up. i like it i mean we covered zero year on this show before we covered year one so yeah like it listen i think it's two different types i like you're comparing two different things i i think that the approach that Miller was taking was much more of a, a pivot than maybe Scott Snyder was choosing to do. Like it felt like it was almost in celebration of year one in some way, but taking mm-hmm. it in his direction, like his own direction. Cause you know, there's, there's aspects of it that are very similar. And then you have, you know, the art by Greg Capullo that is super fun and the coloring by FCO uh, Placencia that's, incredible it's some of my favorite work in comics that entire uh arc in i think that they're i think that they're just totally different beasts you can't really look at it i mean i like that batman in zero year is like cracking jokes a little bit like there's that whole entire i forget what he says but he's saying something to alfred and he has like a shaker like a protein shaker in his hand and he's cracking a joke to him but he like it's an interesting way to sort of kind of merge both the idea of like super villain aspects into his origin story 
before because you know you're one there's no there's no super villains at all i think it's i think that they're kind of two different things but they accomplish very similar things in setting up a very interesting fun origin for those versions of the character i agree wholeheartedly Mm -hmm. yeah makes sense to me because yeah it's reinventing a lot more than snyder's which is just playing back into the same thing expanding his own universe so that makes sense i haven't sadly haven't seen either of the movies so i can't comment but i can say if you were to compare this to halloween or the thing i could definitely comment and it's not like either of them so <laughs> zero year as is to halloween as year one is to the thing because neither of them are anything like either of those movies <laughs> See, if we were talking about real cinema, uh, year one is to Boss Baby, as zero year is to Boss Baby 2. <laughs> In that I have no complex thoughts about any of these things. I, I just only enjoy them. I, <laughs> this is giving me some real Boss Baby 2 vibes. Honestly, I have never seen sex sell anything like they tried to sell Boss Baby 2 on the one train. For like six months. <laughs> there was just these posters of Boss Baby with his like nothing on but his socks, shoes, and those like sock holder uppers. And he was like on his belly, popping his ass up with his little feet, and it's like Boss Baby too. And I was like, what's the goal of this advertising? Like, who are you trying to get with this? Getting some mixed messaging. Yeah, it's like, what kind of movie is this? And it's that's the genesis of the Boss Baby joke. I've never seen the movie, but I think about that poster most days. I'm like, what? What fever dream was that? How did they make that? Who did they make it for? Dallas, for your birthday, I'll get it for you. Oh, thank you. The poster? <laughs> we'll put it up on the wall. Yeah. <laughs> I want Abby's specifically... Like, what the hell? <laughs> I want specifically one of the ones from the train. I want you to tear it down oh. off of the one line. <laughs> I'm yeah, gonna I'll sh- do it. I'll go find it. I'm going to show up there in a month, and I'm just going to be like, lying down in the air matches, be like... Night, y'all. I look up at the ceiling, and it's just gonna be up there staring at me. <laughs> oh, and then Susan it's the cat will come pet your head. It, it's like in Christmas Vacation when the grandpa's laying there and he's looking at the ceiling at the model, but that's just gonna be you and Boss Baby. Yeah. <laughs> oh boy, did we talk about Batman Year One in this podcast? I'm yes, not. No. I'm not sure if we did. I liked it. I do. I do have one more thing to say. All right, go for it. Uh, it just, so, I completely forgot that this happened in the book. But after you know his stellar failure in uh, the East End, and he's driving back home, he's put in all this work at this hotel to be, you know, spotted with uh, like the person from Hollywood, and and you know he's put on all this makeup and everything in between. And yet he's driving home and then one of the cars that he almost hits, because he almost hits Gordon and he almost hits uh, another car. But the other car goes, that's Bruce Wayne's car. What was all the work with the makeup and and being (laughs) spotted at the hotel? If you're going to be able to be spotted by your car only two weeks back. (sighs) That does lead me a little bit to James Gordon 1000% knows who Batman is at the end of this mm-hmm. like he, oh, yeah. he figures it out halfway through and then i'm blind without my glasses i swear as someone who is blind without glasses i you would know. still know it's bruce wayne you know 
And he just decides not to. He decides that Bruce is doing this for a good reason. And I like that dynamic better. Mm-hmm. Like, James Gordon's too good of a detective to not know who Batman is. I like I like the dynamic where he acts like he doesn't know, but he mm-hmm. obviously does. I think it like it adds a little fun element because you know it's nice when he is not just calling him Bruce. I think he's kind of believing in the symbolism of what Batman can represent in that way. You know what I mean? It's kind of fun. Say that makes me. Th- Do you think there are interpretations where he knows who Barbara is? Like when she's Batgirl? Do you think he knew? See, that one, I actually think he's fully stupid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Everything we just said about him, out the door. Out the door. See, if you and if you could have seen the look on my dad's face when I got my hair colored, you'd believe that a dad would not be able to recognize his daughter with a mask on. He looked at me like he had never seen me before in my 21 years of life. <laughs> New hair color, nothing else. Oh, totally fair. <laughs> I also fully Who are believe... You? What are you doing in my house? Who are you? I fully believe as well that a dad is more aware of what another 35-year-old man is tangentially doing than his yes. own children in his own yes. house. Yep. Mm-hmm. White men recognize white men. 100%. Yes. 100%. Uh, the high mind. Exactly. <laughs> Not a thought in their mind concerning their children. <laughs> That's Bruce Wayne. Barbara comes in full costume. He's like, great Halloween, honey. Uh, <laughs> Dick Grayson's with her. She's like, this is my friend. He's like, yeah. Uh, what's his name again? She's like, he's been here every day for six weeks. His name is Dick. And he's like, huh, Dick, that's a funny that's- name. Well, good, good to meet you, Dick. And he shakes his hand. And Dick's like, not only have I met you here 1,900 times, I've been Robin in front of you for 15 years. Literally. Like, dads can't remember friends' names. If dads start to remember friends' names, that's the end times. That Start looking to the eastern sky for whatever god you believe in to appear, because it's the end times. An eclipse will happen. The sun will never come back again. (laughs) Tides will shift. (laughs) The second a dad goes, oh, hey, and calls your friend by their name, it's over. It's over. My dad's never done it. Never once. Never done it. Oh, my gosh. My dad has, but it's because he liked her more than he liked me. That tracks. Yeah. See, he just forgot your name, so he's allowed to remember the friend names. <laughs> he forgot oh I existed. Gosh. His wires got crossed. <laughs> You're oh. my kid. You look more like me. Before we before we wrap up, can I just say the one thing I really, really liked in this from the first issue is how the cops tried to intimidate Gordon. But Gordon's <gasps> oh, like, yeah. no, fuck you. I'm going to intimidate you right back. And he just goes and beats up the one guy. And that guy, what's his name? Fizz? Or... <laughs> Yes. Flass. Flass. Fizz. Yep. Fizz. It's the Detective f- Fizz. But f- is something. And he goes and he beats him up. And then I love later where Flass is like, yeah, I was trying to single handedly arrest these guys. And on the panel, it's him taking the bribe. Mm-hmm. Flass is my favorite character to see bodily harm fall to in this entire story. Yeah. I love I'm... that he handcuffed him naked. It was better. very good. I, I just, I also like the details. Like he won't tell on me because he's too embarrassed that he got the yep. shit beat out of him. Like the yeah. story will you know be. What, I... oh, what was, was that, Brian? Sorry. You know what I just realized? Um, that both Batman and Jim Gordon tie up people like hogtie people with handcuffs naked in this book. I yep. didn't realize that. I forgot about that. <laughs> that's actually a plug. That's a plug for our Sunstone episode right there. I just recorded part two. <sighs> oh. Batman 
would get along with the Sunstone girls for sure. That's true. That's true. Batman's a sun. No, you That's know canon. who we decided would get along with them? Hmm. Smiley Bone. <laughs> <laughs> he would. Smiley Bone like, gets hey, it. Hey. <laughs> yeah. Smiley Bone slings dick. I'm going to throw it yeah. out there. Batman doesn't, but Smiley Bone. Yeah, uh, unlike Batman, who has never had sex, Smiley Bone slings mad dick. Um, real pipe layer, as you say in the biz. They don't call him Bone for nothing. Exactly. <laughs> so to wrap up, what are we looking forward to about the Batman coming out two days from when this drops? We will all be watching. Literally Edward Cullen. I don't give a damn about Batman. Just Edward Cullen. <laughs> You're fond of his lobster. I get it. Oh, You're fond of me, lobster. <laughs> <laughs> He's a lazy. He's always masturbating in the shed. He's <laughs> a picture, aren't you, Thomas? Oh, I'm, don't come up to the lighthouse. I'm, I'm excited for um for Zoe Kravitz. So yeah, that's where I am. All right, so two one half of the podcast is horny. Uh, Brian, <laughs> what are you excited for about the Batman? Uh, I'm going to be horny for Robert Pattinson. Uh, okay, that's three of, and Zoe Kravitz. I, I fucking this. this is everyone horny. in this movie is hot. It's kind of distracting. It's the bisexual dream. <laughs> yeah, kind of. How Except, dare and they? Then, and then Paul Dano shows up like, "Hello." <laughs> <laughs> this movie's just gonna be like, wow, wow, wow. It's like people licking each other's abs, and then Paul Dano's like, "Hello, um, it's me." That's why they made him gave him the full mask. They're like. You are so aggressively a normal person. <laughs> they gave him a simp mask and they were like, go be someone else. They gave him that bowl haircut. That's a stupid thing. That's just his haircut. It's... That's just Paul Dano. No, he looks different. No, but I'm excited. I'm excited to see like an exploration, like a deep exploration into like the mind of like an early Batman. Mm-hmm. And kind of the trauma behind that, like not like that's new, but like it seems like it's going in an interesting direction. I trust Rob's sort of feelings about it and the writing of Reeves uh, a lot, and to see what they do with that's going to be really interesting. And I hope that there's um, kind of an arc there where he learns that maybe we don't have to be such a fucking psychopath. <laughs> this Batman looks crazy. Yeah. But I'm here for it. Uh, I'm excited to see Zoe Kravitz. I think she's going to be pretty definitive as Catwoman. She looks like she's going to nail it. She she does great work. I'm excited for Greg Frazier, my boy, my favorite cinematographer right now. Uh, Michael Giacchino's score. I haven't listened to any of it. Um, yeah, no, it just seems like all the best people in Hollywood are coming together to try and make something full of passion. And I think that's really exciting, especially when they did it in the middle of a pandemic amongst all odds. It seems like it's going to be something really special. And that's what I'm excited for. I'm talking about just how many great people in this movie. I Colin Farrell as the penguin. I'm it's incredible. so excited. Take it easy, sweetheart. That's when I was sold. <laughs> I was sold so hard in that moment. I'm ready to see Batman be just an absolute like monster of a presence because as, as much as I like the Nolan movies, that Batman's not a fighter. He is a, a clunky and awkward nerd. He's a dork in a bat suit. 
I like the thing I like about the Snyder Batman is he actually moved and felt like the Batman from the comics. Like I remember the first scene in BVS where he's just like on the wall and they start shooting at him and he just like a shadow just disappears off the side. I'm like, oh my God, I've never seen Batman move like that before. And I think we're going to get something a little closer to that in this movie. I'm just excited to see how he moves on screen. Cause I don't think we've gotten the perfect Batman in those terms yet. So mm-hmm. I'm excited to see how that works. I will say the first teaser that they showed where he turns that guy into a fruit smoothie on the ground. <laughs> I was like, this is going to be a different kind of Batman movie. <laughs> I wasn't sure until the, the full trailer came out and I was like, okay, this looks really good. But that first teaser, I was like, you may have lost me. He turned the man into a raspberry jam on the floor. This Robert Pattinson's Batman seems like the Batman. that's like, I don't kill. But I will maim unhealably. <laughs> I will it's, put you right there. You'll Close. wish you'll wish you were dead. Like these, <laughs> he beats these criminals so bad they come back and like, where'd your nose go? Well, I was selling drugs on the corner to support my children, and then <laughs> the Bruce Wayne turned me inside out. He didn't kill me though. But I will never walk straight. One leg shorter than the other now. You ripped my arms off. Every time Batman fights someone, it's a new Clayface origin story. (laughs) It really, like, he was hitting them hard. Yeah, that dude's face is concave. Like, it is in his face. Like, like, just total, like, in Photoshop, just the subtract. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, it's pretty, pretty brutal. Oberon Martel (laughs) death right there. I do have to say, I'm very interested to see Robert Pattinson as Bruce Wayne, not just the Batman, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah. Because I I get the Batman part, but I'm curious to see how he'll be as the Bruce Wayne part, because he just kind of looks anemic and angry. So we'll see. I mean, I was like, yeah, that's true. It's all, that's also just Bruce Wayne, frankly. Yeah, yeah it's true. A man who spends his free time just lying on his couch listening to I'm not okay, I promise. <laughs> he hangs out with bats for fun. If there is a lot of rabies shots. <laughs> if there isn't a Nirvana needle drop, I will take every pick that I have from podcast out for the rest of the year. I will give up every single Dallas Taylor pick for the rest of 2022 God. if there is not a Nirvana needle drop god that's at we least four morrison this. comics at least Ooh. four of the come on batman don't fail me now so the second now, we talked about this it's gonna be heart heart shaped box it's I'm calling it's it. heart shaped box at like his low point when the riddler yeah. seems like he's won it's gonna be heart shaped box no it's gonna be when they think that they've won but riddler has duped them it's going to be heart-shaped box. It's going to be like that moment where it's like, oh, fuck. Like, no, turning point. Yeah. Yep. I'm confident. I'm so excited to see what the riddles are going to be like. I'm... I mean, they already told the best riddles in Batman the movie 1966. They're not going to talk with a machine gun. C, as in C, for Catwoman. It's perfect. Flawless. It's No notes. Good logic. I will watch it. You've never seen Batman, the movie, 1966? No. Didn't you just watch it for the first time like two weeks ago? What are you on me about? (laughs) I did, Anne, two weeks ago, and now I'm better than you. Anne, it's the best Batman movie I've ever seen. 
Well, I've never watched it either, so. Alexa, it's a comedy. I'm I'm not even kidding. It's a comedy. It's amazing. It's genuinely funny. And it's genuinely, like, you will laugh out loud. There's a bit. How did you watch where, it? Where is it? On Amazon for $3. There's a bit stream it. where Batman is holding a giant bomb, and he's running around trying to dispose of it. And he keeps running into things that he can't. He's like running, and then like some nuns walk out in front of him all slow, and he's like, and he like runs somewhere else. <laughs> and there's like an ice cream truck with all these kids, and he's like, and for like six straight minutes, he's running around like with this giant bomb, trying to dispose of it. And that is the best getting rid of a bomb that's been in a Batman movie, Christopher Nolan. That's fair. You oh, lost. That's from. <laughs> it was so good. They fight. The bad guys with pirate swords on top of a penguin-shaped submarine. And that's the final fight. No notes. Perfect movie. And it hasn't that been tracks. beaten yet. Did you say it. pirate swords? It has a pirate swords. Yeah. All of the henchmen are pirates. Look, this is ironic. That's a real pirate. Why did you just have that ready? Where did you, you just pulled that out of nowhere. She's like, that's so random. I just have a cutlass right here. <laughs> Like I'm in my couch. dad's he, like, office. He has bag. so many fun things. Yeah, that uh That's such a dad thing to have. It's just a pirate sword, like a cutlass, just, it, just on the worse. side of your desk. So, fun fact, right. the sword Alexis is holding up is actually uh the Civil War Union cutlass that my dad bought off eBay with his too much time and money on his hands. Yeah. It's a real Civil War sword that she's holding there. Yeah, it says 1864 on the side of it. Fully insane. I don't insane. know if that's real. <laughs> Fully bananas. So there's the pirate sword. I just put a hold on the movie from the library. So. <laughs> Hell yeah. It's so good, Anne. You're going to love it. You're going. I'll watch it this evening. Iconic Catwoman. Iconic Riddler. Iconic Penguin. Best Joker. Best Batman. Best Robin. Catwoman <laughs> as her disguise has the name Kitka, which is an acronym for her five-name-long secret Russian name when she's pretending to be a Russian woman. Love it. It's like Katanya. It's like... It's like five names all in a row that gets acronymed into Kitka, which I'm pretty sure is just cat in Russian. She has a cat-shaped radio. She has a cat-shaped radio. but She pulls a little antenna out of and goes... And it's a little black cat. It hasn't been beat. It hasn't <laughs> been beat. one of those. All right, Miss Kitka. The it stands for Katanya Irena Irena Tatanya Kerenska Alasov. Name a better secret identity. That is a title. That's what a queen. Beautiful. Action. She wears all. She wears all cheetah print and makes Bruce Wayne fall in love with her. Batman is a simp in this. Batman, like, this is the game, horniest. He's a simp. He is. This Batman and Batman from Batman '89, both they've they've come the closest to having sex of all the Batmans. They haven't quite had it, Wait. but they came the closest. You're telling me George Clooney's Batman didn't fuck? No, he was rubbing. He was busy rubbing Batman nipples. <laughs> <sighs> Well, Batman, Batman, Batman. 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 As Jaden Smith said. Batman. Batman. <laughs> I, want, I once went to a concert where Jaden Smith came out in a white Batman suit. 
and performed the whole concert in his white Batman Halloween costume. Wow. He had like Arctic Batman on. It was pretty fun. Is that a true story? That's not a true story. That's a true story. That's a real story. Yeah, that was a whole thing he was doing. Yeah. He wore Arctic. Not at my concert. I will say (laughs) Jaden Smith is the number one. I don't really like his music, but he's such a charismatic performer that I'd see him again that I've ever seen. It's like, you are so good live. You are a very fun presence. Probably because it's Dad Will Smith. That's fair. Or Batman. That'd be exciting. So yeah, we'll go see Batman. And we won't tell you about it because we don't cover movies on this podcast. <gasps> Yet. Should. Yet. Mm-hmm. should we do the closing bits, everyone? Absolutely. We shall. All right, everyone. If you like the show and want to hear more from us throughout the week, please go follow our Twitter accounts at CMX Collective. Or you can find us at each of our personal accounts at Dallas underscore comics, at Ann Comics, and at Lexi Lou underscore comics. If you enjoyed the show and want to show your support, please go to Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening and give us a five-star review and we will read it off on the show. And finally, feel free to email us with your questions or comments for the show at thecomicscollective at gmail.com. And Brian, how can people find you? What do you want to plug in? Uh, you can find me at youtube.com backslash McDermott. Um, you can find me on Twitter at McDermottNY. And yeah. Brian has a really, really great video about It's a Wonderful Life that you should go watch. Oh, you. It's a wonderful thank YouTube you. Brian's super talented. Fun fact, he's not only charming on this podcast, his YouTube channel is pretty cool. Cool guy. Thank you, buddy. Yeah. Thank you for having me. <laughs> I appreciate, really I appreciate it. I do, and he's getting a little restless, but that's okay. But I just want to say thank you guys for having me. Yeah, it's been of course. Blast. It's been fun. It's been fun. We don't want to talk about Batman year one with anybody else, Brian. It's true. It's very true. Be still my heart. <laughs> All right, and we will see you guys next week for our episode of Fantastic Four with Evan. We're talking about Mark Wade's run on Fantastic Four folks the whole thing all 30 issues somehow alexis agreed blew my mind yes you did (laughs) yes you did you putting it on the schedule is not me agreeing you're gaslighting me i said how much of this are we reading i said you tell me how much we're reading i'm kidding and you said i'm being gaslit everyone caught caught in no because when i gaslight i get away with it no! At that point, it's just called manipulation. <laughs> oh, but anyway, tune in for that one because Evan's going to be here for my favorite podcast. So we'll be good next week. I promise. True, true. We'll, we'll behave. No, we won't. <laughs> we never do. All right, right. I'm so sorry. All right. All right. All right. All right, everyone. Roll and music. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.